welcome to Sink NA's Tech Crack podcast series. On this podcast, you will hear fascinating insights from all different levels of the NI tech community. Find out more on our socials or on our website at sinkni.com. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the latest news in our tech sector. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Tech Crack podcast. I'm your host, as always, John, and with me today is Mark Dowds from Responsible. Mark, thank you very much for coming on today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. I love the idea behind the circular fashion movement that Responsible is doing, um, and there's a great environmentalism aspect behind Responsible. What were your key drivers for starting this? Yeah, it started um, really the the focus on environmentalism started for me a long, long time ago. Actually, go back to my university days. I was studying a lot of a lot of things on on our planet, environmentalism, and. Uh, animal rights and things like that, sort of a very, I actually did divinity, choosing these very odd topics, but things that were passionate, that, you know, and I was interested in. Yeah. Um, so, but then, uh, previous startup to this, uh, I had a company called Trove that was bought by Travelers Insurance. Okay. Um, and a lot of people were asking, how on earth do you move from the insurance world into the fashion yeah. world? You know? But what a lot of people don't really think about is that the number one risk to insurance companies is climate. Okay. Yeah, because it's, yeah, that it's, makes sense. Yeah, it's the floods, fires, pandemics. It's really that clean out the coffers of the of the big insurance companies mm-hmm. and all the all the catastrophic risk. Uh, so that brought it right out to the forefront because I was speaking a lot, doing a lot of keynotes on the future of insurance and where the world is going. And if you if you start doing decent forecasts, you realize that financial infrastructure crumbles because of the climate change. Yeah. And where a lot of people, we think about it, okay, where our weather's changing, you know, it's going to affect my lifestyle. But when you push that on down the line and you realize how much it's going to affect us financially, then it, there'll be a bigger wake-up call. So I realized that insurance world is necessary to enable people to live freely and not in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But I want to realize this that I needed to move further out and to get into the prevention space. Looked at energy and lots of stuff initially. Yeah. And and then it was actually folks at EY uh, uh, locally that asked me if I would basically do them a favor and have a look at a company and get and give it a read and where the future of it would be and where the industry was going. And it was in the fashion space. And never knew really anything about it. Uh, I had generally was... Biggest, biggest applying for it or dumbest applying for it because yeah. I, I, I thought like t-shirts are made by robots and <laughs> things like that and it wasn't until I dug into it and realised that the fashion industry has sort of really one of the largest slavery footprints you know people are not getting a mm-hmm. fair wage uh, people are do awfully long hours and everything made cheap so the fast fashion movement Really, what they they grow and manufacture, you know, Bangladesh and lots of other countries, and which people, you know, it helps some aspects of the economy. It really has polluted those countries. So what happens? They they basically exploit the area and pollute the area with all the dyes and they suck up all the water, mm-hmm. and then they move to another country or they move it around. And it, so when I when I dug into it, it broke my heart actually. And then when I understood what fast fashion was doing on the, on the, at the end of life, which was at the waste side, mm-hmm. it was horrendous about the, like the tons and tons of landfills that are sent to Ghana, to Chile, and you, if you can, 
you can Google, if you Google any of this stuff on, on landfill, you'll see basically like a Mount Everest of, of clothing that's basically sent offshore because then we don't worry about it. Yeah. If it was sitting here in the middle of Belfast and all the clothes that we throw away um, or just get our, you know, uh, you know, put in the bin or whatever, um, it, you would, it, it would be so destructive to Northern Ireland. You mm-hmm. know, you would have another morn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, have to name it after our folly. Uh, so it's been pretty, yeah, that's really what got me into this and realised <clears throat> that it would take a rethinking of how the industry works to make it move. So there's a lot of brands and people beginning to start more sustainable lines of clothing, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. The problem is it's still only touching a very small portion okay. of the market. So we manufacture, as people, 100 billion items of clothing a year. Wow. Um, and if you think about the population of the planet, there's only a couple of million people maybe benefit from that. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's horrendous, the amount of consumption that we have. So we need to massively reduce the, the consumption. So these companies will continually produce you know, if we can, if we continue to buy. Yeah. So, so what I realized was that, you know, there was a, an opportunity to step into that space, leverage technology to bring transformation to an industry. So the same way I stepped into insurance to do that, stepped into the fashion industry now and uh, learning a ton. Well, at it for two and a half years um, okay. and learning something new every day. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> So we get, we're, we're talking about the whole sustainable fashion. What is something you wish the people or the general population knew about sustainable fashion? A um, couple of things. Probably one, number one thing would be um, the most sustainable way to live is to buy something that's been worn or pre-owned before. Mm-hmm. So uh, the majority of that sits in your closet. It's almost like you, you saw something, you loved it, you bought it. And now it hangs in the darkness of the closet, crying out, saying, let somebody else wear me, please, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, so it's almost like you've got this moment of, like, do, you, do we love it enough to let it go? Mm-hmm. Um, problem is that we're so lazy. Getting those things out of the closet or posting them on certain sites and so on, there's effort involved and there's friction and high effort, low reward. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, wear, you can wear nice clothing, but even if that's worth hundreds of pounds some people it's not a motive it's not a big enough motivator yeah. you know if you're going to get you know some like 30 percent or something of the original rrp yeah exactly going, well i so we gotta we gotta really make it all frictionless to get the products moving again so if you buy second hand it has 70 times less impact on the planet than buying new wow so 70x so if we so at the moment you have about 20 percent of the population buy um, secondhand or buy pre-owned. Mm-hmm. Secondhand sounds like a dirty word, you know. Like a, yeah, there's a big stigma to it. Yeah, the stigmas are around about, well, why secondhand? Is it gonna, you know, what about the hygiene? You know, um, mm-hmm. what about the, is it the real deal or is it counterfeit? Especially if you're spending a bit of money. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to know because it's peer-to-peer, most of the sales are on the platform. Mm-hmm. And so then there's nobody in the middle guaranteeing that this is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody giving it a clean beforehand. So, mm-hmm. and then sometimes when it arrives in your door, it's you know it comes in a plastic bag wrapped in brown tape. So it's not exactly the yeah. the optimal, you know, uh, nice creased or something. Like that. But even some of the big companies, they send it all creased as well. I don't know. <laughs> so there's all these friction areas. Yeah. And in some ways, well, we want to do 
just change that. You know, so uh, I want to take that twenty percent and start bringing that number up. So okay. that I'm targeting the eighty percent of people who do not do it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't buy, um, and I'm building trust into the industry by by solving those problems around hygiene, around basically mm-hmm. counterfeit. Uh, and also availability. So if you actually go out to buy what you want, mm-hmm. secondhand's really hard to do or hard to find. It is. And uh, so we're trying to uh, work on all of those problems uh, through the use of uh, some smart technology. Okay, very good. Um, what it, like so? Can you tell me about the tech? So you've mentioned about the cleaning processes. You gave me a bit of a tour earlier on, and there's a big fancy machine there. All these different like cleaning processes you have here. Yeah, so we do it. We do it um, sustainable. But to do it through a more sustainable way, you want to do you want to do the cleaning as much as you can without the use of water. Mm-hmm. Um, some things do need washed, um, but that's a small portion. Uh, the odd thing needs fixed or a new button. Um, but the majority of things that we get are actually great, and when we sort of renew them, they when you get something from us, they feel like brand new. Okay. And smell new, and so it goes through the ozone machine. Okay. which is really a waterless cleaner, but it removes all bacteria, germs, smells, and, you know. Uh, okay. So it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, so yes, we do that, but we process the majority of the products with other partners. Uh, so whether that's in the UK or in Europe, we'd be doing the same for you know, North America. Uh, so the core piece for us is the technology. So for, the, for all the tech listeners, I mean, this is where you can geek out a little bit more, yeah. is that ultimately what we do is we analyze all the marketplaces and we understand what the demand is coming in and so what people are looking for, basically. And we also analyze the price those items last sold for and we cross-reference that to the original RRP. And so, you'd, so you've got these algorithms working on that magic. On the other end, uh, we're you know we're then also looking. We know what it costs to to basically process an item, whether it's whether it's clothes or sneakers, um, and so we look at that the demand. We then look at the, co- the 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 cost it will be, and then we know basically how to go get those products, and so then we we target specific products to meet the current demand, so that those so ultimately so that we can find something that somebody wants and have that all processed quickly. And, uh, and basically, so that all products that we basically acquire are sold within a 30-day window. Okay. So it's pretty complex to be able to pull all of that off. Yeah. And, and you as a shopper, when you find that item that's provided by us, you get next day shipping, you get something clean, it's guaranteed that it's not counterfeit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, we've got, so it's a really, that's why I say we're building trust in the industry, is we're building each one of those things that, that really will allow uh, a customer to have a completely different experience and a positive experience where they go like, I'll do that again. Yeah. Because ultimately what we really want is we, you know, the big vision of the company is we imagine a day where everyone uh, buys secondhand. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the only thing they buy. It's not like they, they'll probably buy new, but if, if we could get that 20% to 100% yeah. or 40%, then we're, we're looking at the, the impact levels on the planet, and that's how we transform the fashion industry. So that's really going after that. We're dealing with predominantly um, things that are a little bit more expensive. That's where we started because we needed to learn on the margins, but 
over time, will that will also come down market. Uh, but uh, we won't do a lot with fast fashion because there's a lot of stuff that's fast fashion. It's made, it's made cheap and it doesn't last. So, but our hope is is that as we also engage with brands, that we can bring them data on how their products are performing in the secondary market mm-hmm. and bring them along with us because then they can financially benefit from it. So the long-term plan here is that we'll have that transformation of industry by bringing data to the brands and then they can learn how they can offset where, okay. they, where in the future maybe they're manufacturing 70% new but making up their revenues with, with 30% of things that are pre-worn. And so then the overproduction, overconsumption thing decreases. Um, and that's where you get a macro change in the industry. Yeah. That's ultimately what we're working on. So the, the more you'll get to know about us is really the complex technology that we're using in the middle. Uh, we're going to keep on tech, but that's okay. For There's other pieces that we're working on around sort of the artificial intelligence side of things where around product identification and authentication. So when we get information from the brands, we then know what to look for to make sure that we can automate okay. the authentication process, which is super complex. So by analyzing the brand's materials. Uh, so that's another area that we're, we're working on. Uh, to, to, so then our partners that work with us in the processing, the more we do of that, the faster and the more scale that we can have internationally. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, so the te- the tech's really core. If you boil it down, what are we in basics? We become the ultimate trusted supplier to marketplaces, to second-hand mm-hmm. marketplaces, so that they their customers will get better ex- a better experience and they'll have more product with a better margin because it's been renewed. Very good. Oh, that sounds really, really interesting. Get really excited and geeky about it. Oh, I am, yeah. <laughs> That's why I love this podcast. <laughs> So do you think ethical clothing will ever outcompete the mainstream less ethical products for the likes of H&M, Boohoo and Shein um, and dominate the fashion industry in the future? So will it ever dominate? We live in a very capitalistic culture and unfortunately all of these brands have shareholders and the shareholders will demand that their share price increases every year. Mm-hmm. And at the moment... The methodology and thinking around this is that it, all, it always has to come from the way the, way the machine works today because to alter or tweak that way then will affect it. So it's going to be a long journey because the world is shifting. So if you think about where the customer, if the customer's with a brand, you may be loyal to them today, but today the, this, the secondary market is really, it's 96 billion. Uh, uh, so it's still, it's still big. Yeah. You know, but that's... Uh, so 96 billion of secondary products are being bought. But by 2026, that shifts to 218 billion. So if you think about that, you've got the, the customer, the customers move will move further away from the brand. Mm-hmm. So the smart brands uh, will, will, will be forecasting into their future, similar to, to what like IKEA did. So IKEA looked out to 2030 and they realized that they would have supply issues. Um, so they then started to do buyback to bring to bring some of their products back for resale. And um, they also recognized that into the future that they would could lose about 20% of their customer base if they didn't participate in a circular economy. So they started to transition all of that. And they're the pioneer of this. They're phenomenal in what they're doing. 
and pushing pushing the envelope. So the brands themselves, if they they need to recognize that they will hurt, and it's only whenever the smart ones are doing the future forecasting and not on the immediate return today mm-hmm. is that they will that, that will be able to make changes. There are some I can't name them in the room at the moment, uh, but. There are some that we are engaged with and they are doing this and thinking through what the impact's going to be long term. Um, will all of the big brands change? I think it'll take some time. You've got, I mean, H&M, chatted with them this week. They're doing, they're investing a lot into innovation and change. They want to move in that direction. But again, the, their customer, the, their customers still want certain things. Yeah. Like I've talked to some of the most sustainable denim brands in the world and they have to manufacture denim with some elastic in it because mm-hmm. that's what the market's asking for. So if you if you want to go more pure denim, then all of a sudden you don't have a business or it, or it decreases. So mm-hmm. we're the problem <laughs> <laughs> um, on that. Or you could look at Shein, and Shein is cheap. Um, they are, and they are fast fashion, and a lot of that will get thrown away. And I don't like the waste and landfill side of it. What Shane have done positively in comparison to most other brands is they don't overproduce. Okay. So most of the big brands overproduce like twenty percent of the stuff, and then it ends up, you know, you know, getting recycled in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, so the that Shane don't have an overproduction issue. So they're they're so precise on their market, what will sell, and they make it smaller batches. So they're more sustainable in that manner, um, as much as they don't necessarily like cheap stuff going into the world. Mm-hmm. Very good. I didn't realize that about Ikea. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, we recently were brought on to Google's accelerator that's focused on oh, climate. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, Very good. Which is, it's been amazing. So they've been working with us as a business uh, to help us think through what are we going to do around machine learning, you know, helping us on the tools around the artificial intelligence and everything of what we're going to be doing on that. Uh, but they also partner us up with mentors and they brought in the head of circularity for Ikea. Okay. And so we got to spend a lot of time with this guy and still you know, are able to have access to him. Yeah. Uh, and he's helping us learn from what Ikea have done so we don't make similar mistakes or that we're able to learn quickly from them. Mm-hmm. Too. So it's been really, really helpful uh, to, to have that. But yeah, Ikea are super... Uh, proactive in this, I think they want to be cli- they are climate want to be climate positive, like maybe nth degree yeah. by twenty thirty. So it's, uh, so they're looking at through all like the delivery trucks, everything that's going out there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah they're they are they're pioneers. Fantastic, that's really really cool. Last question for today: Can this model apply to other household products, and do you have plans to move into other verticals in the future? So you've mentioned about like IKEA and their pioneers with this. Uh-huh. Is there anything in your head where you're kind of like, I think we could move responsible into this in the future? The reality is the technology of what we're building can be applied to any industry at all. It could be games, golf clubs, any anything you could think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're stay we're staying focused on the fashion space for the foreseeable future. But what we are getting into shortly is we're getting into the premium sneaker space. And we'll be launching globally this year with that. As so that's that sort of like, you know, placeholder in there. I can't say yeah, more, but uh, but 
but that's going to be become a very significant piece of our business. So we are going to enter a category which will be footwear, but specifically we're going to have to do the premium end of sneakers that are pre-worn. Okay. So not just pre-owned, because there's a pre-owned world in the sneaker space that, like asset trading, mm-hmm. literally people buy these unique yes, sneakers, yeah. hold them in boxes, never wear them, and they increase in value just like art. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to pre-worn, but so a lot of those sneakers, people actually do buy them and wear them, mm-hmm. but they hold the same value. Okay. And so, um, so that's a world that really remains untouched at the moment. Uh, so that's a problem that we're, we're going to have to solve this year. Fantastic. So will there be a pair of like sinking eye snakes coming around? <laughs> yeah, coming around? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely responsible uh, by sinking eye. <laughs> yeah, I was in a, I was in a meeting last week in London and looked around all the other people in the room and thought I gotta upgrade my sneaker collection. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same. I've I've upgraded a lot of my fashion. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, yeah, it's my my pleasure. That's it for another episode of the Tech Crack podcast series. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune into the next episode by finding us on SyncNI.com or searching SyncNI on your favorite audio streaming platform.